Hello, this is Real Estate Insight, the podcast from Savile that's going to do its level best to keep things as normal as possible in these extraordinary times. And today we're going to be asking the most obvious questions of all. What so far has been the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on global real estate investment markets? It's volumes that have borne the brunt of this um, and volumes are extremely low. They're, they're back down generally to... 2008, 2009 levels. And is it too early to get a sense of the longer term impacts? Let's not forget that property is is always seen as a particularly good safe haven um, in difficult times. I'm Guy Ruddle and before we start a word on our plans for Real Estate Insights over the next few months, the first thing to say is that we are carrying on. We'll be doing everything remotely, so you'll hear a lot of people on the phone instead of in a studio, and we'll probably have fewer episodes than normal. But even in these deeply troubling times, the world of real estate continues, and we want to bring you the stories that are out there, and provide some company if we can. So joining me on the line to look at the impact of the virus so far are three top Savills experts from around the world. Matt Oakley is Head of UK and European Commercial Research. Good morning to you, Matt. Morning, Guy. Tris Larder is Joint Head of Regional Investment Advisory for Europe, the Middle East and Africa. Tris, welcome to you. Good morning. And Simon Smith is Head of Savills Asia Pacific Research. Simon, welcome to you. Thank you, Guy. So perhaps I could start with asking each of you whether your commercial real estate markets are actually functioning at all. Simon, maybe you could, we could start with you. You're, it's, it's your part of the world where, where, which is sort of the most advanced uh, through this situation. What's been happening in, in, in your part of the world? It is, it is the most advanced. You're, you're right, Guy. And we've been getting a lot of questions about sort of how is it on the other side of this. Um, I think actually it's far too early yet to to say, you know, Asia is still essentially in lockdown. Um, you know, travel restrictions are uh, are in place across the region. Um, there are some very, very early green shoots showing in, showing in China, but it really is far too early to uh, to really draw too many conclusions from that. I think Hong Kong's a good example where we seem to have uh, had the virus quite well under control. And what we've seen over the last week or so has been a second wave of infections brought in by uh, people coming in from outside and also, I think, by more relaxed behaviour in Hong Kong. On the real estate side, this means that really across the region, you know, it's volumes that have borne the brunt of this um, and volumes are extremely low. They're, They're back down generally to 2008, 2009 levels. So the sort of levels that we last saw around the GFC um prices um price discovery is very difficult at the moment with such low volumes very few deals of course are being done and that makes it very difficult to um to really put a price on the market and a a lot of people are are very reluctant to do so at the moment and matt is that a picture that uh, that you recognize in the uk um it's a bit too early to call but i have to say you know, what Simon has outlined is is exactly how I see um, the UK and indeed mainland European story playing out, um, you know, a, a significant drop in investment volumes and our early numbers certainly are taking us back to back to 2008 in volume terms. And then it's really just a question of, of the pace of the recovery. Um, and there are, you know, many 
possible scenarios out there. I think, you know, the big difference for me probably this time around um, is about pricing. Um, and as Simon says, you know, lack of price discovery, undeniably true. But I think the really big change in the market really today, as opposed to 2016 for the UK or indeed 06, 07, 08 is, is actually the lack of stress in the banking system. You know, so much change has happened in the banking system since the global financial crisis. I think we're very unlikely to see banks driving um, distressed disposals. And, you know, one lender said to me yesterday, um, you know, it would be corporate suicide to be seen to foreclose on any debt at the moment. So I think, you know, we probably won't see the same kind of collapse in pricing um, that we have seen in previous crises, uh, but, you know, a significant, you know, a similar collapse in investment activity. And Tris, are any, I mean, the impression I'm getting from Simon and Matt is that that you know it's very very slow but the 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 odd deal is is still being done is is that the case do you think in europe yep the the odd deal is still being done i think um at the moment investors feel that there's 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 a there's a feeling there's a new reality but no one quite knows what that reality is yet let yet mm-hmm. um um and this is really as far as I can work out, I mean, as, as they've both said, this is still very early, but um, it seems to be uh, investors sort of got different approaches or different assessments of the, of the situation as it stands right now. Um, so a lot of investors are looking, you know, looking at the effect on their portfolio and they're trying to grapple with that at the moment. So, you know, what, what is the what is the impact on financing, on the tenants in their portfolio, on the valuations of their portfolios, etc. Um, uh, but but really. Uh, like any sudden change in any market, um, what I, what I can feel right now is some investors sort of see risk and others are seeing opportunity effectively. So what that means is there are deals going through and, and in mainland Europe, we're seeing it's veering more towards the big domestic investors finishing off deals or, or deals that have been in the market. Um, bids are still coming through and strong bids are still coming through. Um, but the quest, the big question is, the the new deals that were coming to the market what what's going to happen with that yeah uh, there are actually deals coming to the market at the, at the moment are there the the deals that were coming to the market have come to the market and bids that were being called have been called and as far as i can see so far everything's performing well um the, the question is that the, the deals that were going to come to market for say mipim which obviously didn't happen um, a lot of that's been stopped, and the question is, the question is just timing. It's it's when will they come to market, and and that's more of a health question, which is difficult to answer. Matt, do you get any sense of of how the sentiment? I mean, you've talked about bankers, uh, the banks, and the lenders. You know, not taking advantage of this situation, not foreclosing. You know, presumably not. You know, increasing lending rates and, and the like. Do you get any sense of, of you know, a community feel amongst the, the real estate investment market uh, that, that, you know, everyone's going to have to behave in, in ways they might not in normal times? Um, you know, whether it whether it's pure unbridled altruism and, and blitz spirit or it's just the simple, you know, it's the rather more cold, hard reality of, of you know, there's little point in enforcing these things um, because People are going to say no. I don't think it really matters. You know that I think there there does appear to have been a 
relatively resounding shrug of the shoulders from the big landlords saying, well, um, you know, yes, at least 24 hours ago, yes, we were prepared to give rent holidays to our tenants and, and, and you know, increasingly, you know, that's now being legislated around. Um, but, you know, the, the story is so fast moving. I think, you know, the interesting point perhaps of, you know, having Simon on the call is the UK is right at the back of the curve here. You know, we're still in the struggling to make the IT work stage uh, rather than actually ask the sort of real real estate questions, which are, you know, what is most exposed, what might benefit and, and what does good corporate behaviour look like? Yeah, well, Simon, uh, as Matt says, you're you, you're probably in 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 maybe the most interesting position here. What, what do you see going forward? Then, I mean, we've talked a bit about what it's been like and and what it's like at the moment. Do you have any real clear picture of? I think two things really. First of all, when you might return to return to a, a more active market, uh, and secondly, perhaps whether that market will 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 sort of revert to where it was or whether the, there's a long-term hangover from this yeah i think the when is is very difficult and I, I think initially when we when we saw this uh outbreak occurring in january and february most of us who were here at the time were reminded of sars and in 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 market terms we saw a fairly v-shaped recovery anybody who capitulated early on was bitterly regretting that so this time around, I think people were looking for a V. Um, I think people were very have been very reluctant to discount because there's a tendency to believe that this is only a temporary problem. Um, however, more recently, I think a, a grimmer reality has set in. What we can say is that if initially we started thinking in terms of a V, a U or an L, I think we're probably discounting the V now and looking at a U-shaped recovery um, where that bottom of the curve is just getting a little bit longer every day. Yeah, so that that you you do still hope that that uh, when it does come back, it, it, it'll it, that the, there won't be too much sort of underlying damage done to the foundations of the sector. I think it will have temporarily disrupted the disruptors. So I think, you know, a lot of what tech was doing has been disrupted by this. The shared economy, you know, co-working, co-living, for example, um, you know, those those environments are empty at the moment. Um, but they will return, I think, over time and people will be better technologically enabled, uh, are better able to work flexibly. And I think in the long term may even benefit those those particular areas. Um, it's really, I mean, what's taking it on the chin? Hospitality at the moment. Again, you know, we're too, I think we're too wedded to our love of air travel and, and international travel generally not to revert to type after this once once the all clear has been given. Um, retail, of course, has been having a pretty torrid time of it anyway over recent years in terms of threats from online. Um, that those Those are losses that may well be locked in for quite a time longer. Um, in the office market, it will really be to what extent we, we, we see, or if we do see extensive corporate bankruptcy, for example, um, and whether that has a sort of a bit, bit more of a lasting impact on, um, on tenant demand in the office market. Um, we just don't really know yet. Industrial of all sectors has seemed pretty well hardened against this type of event. Obviously, 
Um, you know, people have moved a lot of their activity online, you know, and that is benefiting uh, supply chains where they function. Um, obviously, the event itself has has presented its own hurdles to logistics. Um, uh, but industrial, I think, will will emerge from this quite strongly. Matt, um, Simon's, I, I think what Simon's talking about in, in terms of his part of the world is probably true of most parts of the world, actually, including the, the UK. Uh, uh, obviously, the retail sector is, is has, you know, as, as Simon said, been very hard hit anyway, is really suffering, obviously, because of the closing of all the shops now. How confident are you that the measures the government is putting in place, as a business continuity, finance measures, etc., that the government is putting in place will will properly cushion the the long term impact. Ah, well, that's an enormous question. Well, you're an enormous brain, Matt. You know, let, let's you know, the UK wasn't in a particularly good place economically speaking before uh, before we uh, entered this process. You know, we were forecast to grow this year in in GDP terms by one percent. Um, and, you know, very similar story across mainland Europe as well. You know, it was, we're, we're not starting with strong foundations here. Um, so, you know, while Simon's markets in Asia pack, you know, uh, um, you know, have seen a substantial slowdown and, and, you know, they're slowing down from very strong rates of growth. Um, so I think the situation is probably more extreme in the UK. And I think, you know, the, the, the key, the one point that's, Simon probably didn't mention is is sort of to use the GFC or global financial crisis terminology. You know how big is the is the policy bazooka that governments are using to get us out of this situation? You know the safety net is huge. Um, you know on on sort of back of a fag packet numbers. You know we're looking we're running in the UK at somewhere between fifteen and twenty percent of GDP being spent just to see us through this process, and that. You know that money has to be paid back at some point, um, and it probably does slow um, the eventual recovery. It, you know, we don't see quite the same spike out of out of a relatively weak year um, that we were talking about before. So yes, I think certainly we've gone beyond the V, um, possibly towards the U, the L, or, or the swoosh, um, as as all the sort of shapes of recovery we were talking about in the GFC. But you know, I you know I'm, I'm you know by no not my expert subject, but I think the UK government has, you know, economically and fiscally behaved incredibly well. Tris, um, I think all, all governments are, are trying to, around Europe as, as well as in the UK and, and, and other parts of the world, are trying to do something which not just stops the, the collapse of the economy now, but, but does speed the recovery, try, the, 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 the try to make it U rather than L. Do, do you see what's what's happening with European governments as as, as being potentially successful with that? Hopefully, um, I mean, as we've mentioned a couple of times already, it's still very very early, so diff- difficult to to call at the moment. Um, but I think the big question for for in the in the investment side of the uh, of the business is there is fundamentally there's a lot of equity still out there um, chasing real estate. Um, and uh, the difference will be between the V and the U and the L is really whether the there is a recession, whether there's an impact on the tenant base. Um, and, you know, that's the same for offices. Retail is already an issue. Um, 
But, you know, if you look at the office market, which is obviously one of the biggest sectors, um, if there is an impact on covenants and on tenants, then that has a longer term impact on the investment market. Whereas if that doesn't come uh, to happen, then I can imagine a quick sort of roaring back of the markets because there'll be a lot of equity there that's looking to be placed into the market. Tris is, is absolutely right. Um, you know, there are opportunists in every every downturn. And I think, you know, the private equity houses uh, and, you know, some more opportunistic investors are looking at, you know, potential pain and seeing that as an opportunity. You know, I, I've spoken to three clients in the last week who are planning on setting up opportunistic funds to try and buy stuff cheap. Um, and we see this, you know, every time around or buy real estate cheap um, because, you know, if good real estate reprices, it will be an opportunity. And also, I think, one. well, let's not forget that property is is always seen as a particularly good safe haven um, in difficult times. And with the turbulence in the equity and the bond markets um, over the last few weeks, some of that sort of core safe money is going to continue to want to be invested. Gentlemen, uh, we would normally at this stage in a Savills, uh, in a Real Estate Insights podcast, do a Savills standout statistic, but that seems a bit frivolous at the moment. So perhaps instead I could ask each of you to, for a, if you had a single piece of advice for investors or landlords uh, at the moment, what what perhaps uh, that might be? I sort of slightly thrown this on you, but uh, but if if you if you if you did have one piece of advice, maybe starting with Simon, what what would that advice be? Do you think? Probably just to survive the next three months, I imagine. Um, that would be a big enough challenge for most people, both landlords yeah. and tenants. Um, you know, I think that's that's what most of us are focused on out here at the moment. Tris, would you agree with that? Completely agree from an investment perspective. Um, the old adage of location, location, location is going to probably become even even truer, basically. So it's I, I, I could I could see a, uh, a flight to, to quality to core basically happening. And Matt, what do, you, what, what do you have a final thought on that? I think, you know, don't rush into making decisions just based on sort of, you know, what you read on what you read on Twitter. Um, wait for some real data to emerge on the market. Uh, and, you know, think, you know, why is this different? It's not necessarily different in all bad ways. We have a, a much more strong and stable financial system than we did pre the global financial crisis. And, and that should give us some comfort about the forward path. Well, I, if anything, I suppose that's a, a slightly positive note uh, to end on. So, uh, gentlemen, all three of you, thank you very much for your wisdom today. We'll no doubt talk again Uh, in the not too distant future that's it for this episode of real estate insights though if you aren't already a subscriber then please feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider you will of course get future episodes delivered to you automatically and you'll be able to fill endless hours at home browsing through old episodes as well in the meantime thank you very much for listening to us and we'll see you next time This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.